0: Greetings, everyone, and a blessed Resurrection Sunday to all of you. He is risen. Yes, indeed, he is risen. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Today, let's worship and praise our risen Lord with joy filling our hearts.
1: You have broken every chain There's salvation in your name Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning That sealed the promise Your buried body Began to breathe
0: is free. sun shall pierce the night.
2: Join our hearts together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We worship and adore you today. Lord, we thank you for the living hope that you bestow, the peace that you have brought, the love you have so freely and lavishly poured out on us through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the call, the privilege, and the power of prayer that we can come to you in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior, whose blood was poured out to pay the penalty for our sin on the cross on Good Friday, and who rose victorious from the grave three days later on Easter Sunday, defeating death, to live and reign as our King forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that through faith in Jesus, in his death and glorious resurrection, we are forgiven and can approach you today without fear as your beloved children known and so loved by you. And so we approach you today, Lord, with reverent confidence, knowing that you know everything and hold everything and that you are mighty to save, mighty to answer our prayers in perfect accordance with your perfect will. And so, Father, we pray for this world in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, Lord, we pray you would deliver us from this evil in Jesus' name. For all who are affected by COVID-19, be it through illness or isolation or fear and anxiety, we continue to pray for relief and restoration. For the gravely ill and those dying all alone, we pray they would know your comfort and peace Lord, we pray for doctors, nurses, hospital staff, and medical researchers that that you protect them and their families and empower them, guide their hands and minds, that that through their care and the skill and insight you give them, many people might be healed, restored to good health. Father, we pray for our leaders, the men and women in offices of government who who need you and the influence of your Holy Spirit more than ever before. We pray your influence would be known and experienced, that they would make wise decisions. And Lord, we pray that in the midst of this dark time of uncertainty and distress, that as your people, we would shine your light like never before, that by the power of your Holy Spirit living in us, we would love and serve others, sharing with them the only reason for the hope we have, the good news of Jesus Christ your son and our savior who died on the cross for our sin and who rose victorious from the grave, defeating death, offering us eternal life because you so love the world. We pray that many lost and hurting souls would turn to you this day, Lord, and find hope, find forgiveness, find healing, find salvation in Jesus' name. We pray that there would be a revival in our nation of righteousness and truth, that would defeat the powers of evil and Satan and turn people's hearts to you. And now I pray that you would speak powerfully to us through your word, Lord. May everything that is said and done be effective to accomplish what you have in mind for us today for our good and ultimately for your glory and kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, Happy Easter Church. While I wish we could be together today to celebrate the greatest day in history, I'm thankful for the technology we have to be able to to celebrate like this virtually together and, and to proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Of course, that's that's what we love to say to each other, isn't it? On this on this Easter Sunday, that's what we would be saying today if we were together. And so, uh, I'd like to do that right now. I'm gonna say He is risen, and then I'm gonna trust you at home to to echo back, He is risen indeed. Okay, and and do that with all your heart. So here we go again. Trusting you're with me here. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed, hallelujah. If you can turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, we are just going to look at a few verses here of of Matthew's account of the resurrection, beginning at verse 1. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 1, and I will be reading through to verse 7. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Charles Haddon Spurgeon wrote these words, Upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, I risk my whole eternity, and the resurrection is the why. The resurrection is the why. Because without the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, there is no Christianity. The late British theologian and Christian apologist, Michael Green, put it this way, Christianity stands or falls with the truth of the resurrection. Once disprove it and you've disposed of Christianity. No critic or skeptic will deny the objective historical fact that a man named Jesus Christ lived and walked the earth, that that he was a rabbi who taught in ancient Palestine and who so angered the religious establishment that he was arrested on false charges and according to Roman law, crucified at the orders of the Sanhedrin and prominent Jewish leaders. There is also a general consensus that on the first day of the week, the stone at his tomb had been rolled away, and that the tomb was empty. It is why and how the tomb was empty that is disputed. If Jesus came out of the grave, either man took him out, or God did. There's no other possibility. For the past 2,000 years, Christians have claimed it was the power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. We also believe that after appearing to many and and teaching for another 40 days, Jesus ascended into heaven, where he now sits at the right hand of God the Father, a position of authority and power and privilege. And we believe that one day, and that day is closer today than it ever has been. Jesus Christ will come back. He will return to gather his people to live with him forever. There are critics and skeptics, on the other hand, that claim the the so-called resurrection was either some kind of elaborate hoax, hallucination, or lie that his followers came up with. And if that's the case, then God didn't send his son to die for us. Our sins are not paid for, and we have no hope for the future. As Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If Jesus is still dead, there's no gospel, no good news at all. It wouldn't even be bad news. It would it, be fake news, fiction, fantasy. It would be empty, meaningless. No resurrection means that Jesus was lying and that all of his claims are false. It, it, it would mean that the church and everything we do is a joke. And so we might as well close up shop for good and, and never hope to meet again. It would mean I've I've wasted my breath and much of my life believing in and, and preaching this message and actively encouraging others to do the same. But my friends, we have not wasted anything. Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Because Jesus rose from the dead, if we are in Christ, we know that one day we will too. Today, I want to remind you of the why of the resurrection, as Spurgeon put it, why we can be confident that it is true and why there is nothing more important, nothing more relevant, nothing more meaningful to human life on earth today than knowing and believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sin of the world and rose from the dead and lives today. Right now, right now, more than ever, as we're bomb- being bombarded with, with so much news uh, about this pandemic. My friends, this is what the world needs to hear right now more than ever. Not, not some good news that the numbers of deaths today is slightly lower than yesterday, or that we're flattening the curve, or that we're closer to a vaccine for COVID-19 as, as needed as that is. No, we need to hear the good news that death and sin and all the disease caused by sin has already been conquered through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and everyone who believes in him will conquer it too. We will be saved, raised to eternal life with him through faith. According to Matthew 28 that I just read, after Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb and, and after that violent earthquake, they meet an angel of the Lord, who, who rolled back the stone from Jesus' tomb and sat on it. And, and he says to them, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Just as he said over and over again, Jesus himself predicted, promised, and explained to his disciples that he had to die and would be raised from the dead. All of his teaching and miracles pointed to his resurrection, which is the first thing the angel also reminds the women of here. According to Luke's account in Luke 24, the angel said to the women, Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Remember, he said that. Here the angel is affirming the absolute truth of Jesus' word, verifying that everything Jesus said and taught his disciples was true, reliable, which proves Jesus' integrity and faithfulness as a teacher, which so many skeptics who deny the resurrection still agree with. They'll say, yes, Jesus was an honorable and reliable teacher. But that makes absolutely no sense if his resurrection, the central most important thing he taught, wasn't true. Jesus, who is the truth and taught the truth, proved it by rising from the dead just as he said. And all of that, everything he said, is recorded accurately right here, perfectly preserved for all time in God's word. Our confident faith in Christ and his resurrection from the dead is based upon the sure foundation of God's word. The angel gives further proof, though, in verse 6, he says, come and see the place where he lay. So, So think about that. First, the angel points to Jesus' teaching, to what they had heard, and then he points to the empty tomb, to what they could see as proof that Jesus physically rose from the dead. Now, I say physically because it's important to be clear about this fact. It was a bodily resurrection. It wasn't a spiritual resurrection or or the resurrection of Jesus' influence, as some have suggested. Just as Jesus literally died, he literally, physically rose from the dead. Over the years, many have tried to argue that the tomb was empty because Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. He came close, but was taken down and put in the tomb still alive, where he eventually came to and and got out. This is known as the swoon theory. But it falls apart in light of the reality and extreme brutality of Roman crucifixion that we were reminded of on Good Friday, and just how meticulous the Roman guards, Pilate, and the Sanhedrin were to ensure Jesus was dead. Pilate also made sure Jesus' tomb was made impenetrable under the watch of Roman guard, as we read in John 19, which is why the argument that Jesus' followers stole his body doesn't hold any water either. The idea that that his terrified disciples, who were afraid to even admit knowing Jesus before he died, were somehow able to get their act together and pull off the robbery of all robberies under the nose of the Roman guards is crazy. If Jesus' enemies had simply been able to produce Jesus' body, Christianity would have been stopped dead in its tracks. But it couldn't be done. The tomb was empty because Jesus was alive and is alive. The stone was rolled away, not by human hands, but by an angel of the Lord who came down from heaven causing an earthquake and who then rolled back the stone and sat on it according to Matthew 28:2. But he rolled the stone away, not so that Jesus could get out, but so that people could look in and see that Jesus was already out, so that they could see the place where he lay. They could see the the linen cloths, not unwrapped and thrown in a corner like we might think, but laid exactly as they were when they wrapped Jesus' body, only flat, because he had emerged right through them. The stone was rolled away for the purpose of the eyewitnesses so that eyes could witness that the tomb was empty, which is another important reason we are confident that Jesus Christ rose from the dead because of the reliability of the eyewitnesses. We rely on the testimony of eyewitnesses to determine the truth of what happened. We always have and we always will. And the more eyewitness testimony we have to draw from, the more complete the picture we have. And we know the eyewitness testimonies are reliable if they line up with each other, if, if they're consistent and cohesive and complementary, which is exactly what we have in the gospel accounts. As the gospel writers are all careful to point out, notice that women were the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb of the risen Christ. Women. Women. Were the first eyewitnesses. Why is this so significant? Well, in the first century, women weren't even eligible to testify in a Jewish court of law. Their word meant nothing. Which means if these were cleverly devised myths, the gospel writers would have been crazy to present women as the first eyewitnesses of the risen Jesus. It only makes sense if they were telling the truth that that Jesus was alive, which the eyewitness testimony of these women reliably and powerfully affirms. And we don't just have a few reliable eyewitnesses, but many. Jesus appeared at, at least 10 times in 10 different places. 20 years later, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians that Christ was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. 1 Corinthians 154 4-6 The Apostle Paul was claiming that 20 years later, anyone who wanted to could still find upwards of 500 eyewitnesses to testify to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. That, that simply can't be explained by a hoax or a hallucination. All Jesus' enemies that the naysayers had to do was come up with his body and all this would be over. But again, they couldn't. But not because there wasn't a body, but because there was. A body, a living, resurrected body, which was busy walking around, appearing to over 500 eyewitnesses, people who could see and hear and touch the risen Jesus for themselves and testify beyond a shadow of a doubt to the fact that he was not in the grave, because he had beaten it. He was alive. And so what could his enemies do? What what could his enemies say? Nothing. Nothing. Their, Their silence is deafening, in fact. That their silence is as convincing a proof of Jesus' resurrection as are the eyewitness accounts. The church was founded upon Jesus' resurrection, and disproving it immediately would have destroyed the whole Christian movement from the start. But that didn't happen. It couldn't happen because Jesus was alive and his followers knew it. Because they had seen him with their own eyes. They had walked with him and talked with him and eaten with him. So so they could and would never, ever deny that fact that he had risen from the dead. Indeed, they became roaring lions of the faith. And this radical change in the disciples is yet another incredible proof of Jesus' resurrection. This terrified group of Jesus' followers were completely transformed. They went from cowering in fear for their lives to towering in faith through their lives, overflowing with boldness, courage, power, joy, preaching Christ to everyone, performing miracles in Jesus' name, ready and willing to die for Christ, which is exactly what most of them did. Why? What had happened? They had seen Jesus alive and were filled with the Holy Spirit just as he promised. That's how Peter explains it as he preaches on the day of Pentecost. Here's what we read. God has raised this Jesus to life, preaches Peter, and we are all witnesses of that fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the only reasonable response to the truth of Jesus' resurrection, repentance, turning from your sin, which leads to death, and believing in Jesus Christ and receiving eternal life. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have heard and believed the evidence produced by the eyewitnesses to the trial, crucifixion, burial, and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, inspired by the Holy Spirit and recorded accurately here in the word of God, just as Jesus said. We've repented and been baptized in Jesus' name and we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts. And he, that the Holy Spirit of God himself is the greatest proof of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, my friends. In fact, as as Paul writes to the Ephesians, he, the Holy Spirit, is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and our own resurrection through Jesus Christ. My friends, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit of God living in us, As followers of Jesus Christ, we are witnesses of the fact that Jesus is alive. We are now part of the living proof of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. May the radical transformation of our lives, lives that are are now defined by supernatural faith, sacrificial love and obedience to Christ, May that be compelling and inspiring proof to all those, all those we know and love who don't believe, our friends and family and neighbors and coworkers who are lost and and hurting and hopeless and dying and looking for hope and help and purpose in the face of this global pandemic right now. May our lives testify to them that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and his Holy Spirit lives in us. That is why we are different. That is why we have hope. He is the reason. May our words and actions point them to to tell them about our God who so loved this world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's word shouts it from every page of scripture. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords who rose from the dead and is alive and will return soon. He's coming back. The tomb is empty. The stone was rolled away, not so that Jesus could get out but so that eyewitnesses could look in and see that Jesus wasn't there. He had risen from the dead just as he said there is no other reasonable response to the evidence of the empty tomb, the silence of his enemies, to the reliable eyewitness accounts as recorded in the scriptures, and to the lives of his followers transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have never accepted God's gift of salvation, the forgiveness of your sins that Jesus Christ paid for by dying on the cross, The gift of eternal life that comes by trusting in Jesus as your Savior who rose from the dead. I would ask you, encourage you, (laughs) plead with you, place your faith and hope in Jesus Christ today and you will receive that gift of eternal life. How do you do that? The Apostle Paul tells us how in Romans 10.9. He says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My prayer is that everyone listening... Everyone in our church, everyone who might stumble across this might be able to say with Spurgeon, upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, I risk my whole eternity and Jesus' resurrection is the why. Amen. And now receive the Lord's blessing from Hebrews 13 verses 20 and 21. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Happy Easter. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. God bless you.
3: To save a wretch like me